Hello, and welcome to the Digital Workspace Works podcast. I'm Ryan Purvis, your host, supported by our producer Heather Bicknell. In this series, you'll hear stories and opinions from experts in the field, stories from the front lines, the problems they face and how they solve them, the areas they're focused on from technology, people and processes, to the approaches they took that will help you to get to the scripts for the digital workspace inner workings. I'll tell you some stuff I've been doing, which I think is quite interesting. I've got a whole lot of data that I want to classify. Um, and typically how I classified is I would go through it line by line and, and do whatever I need to do. But I got a bit clever last night and I thought, you know what, I'm just going to use Notion and I'm going to use ChatGDP and I'm going to classify the stuff. And it worked really well to the point that I actually broke Zapier. Um, I put too much data through it and I wasn't very happy. But I was very impressed with, I mean, it's, it's very clunky the way I was doing it. It's not, it's not the way you should be doing these things. But it was actually quite kind of cool that I, had, I did like 800 records in about 15 minutes, which would have taken me maybe, I don't know, two hours to go through one by one. And of course, there's a, there's a risk of error in both cases. Um, but, you know, I felt pretty comfortable with the outputs in, in that it was actually quite, you know, it was quite accurate. And, and I was tweaking it to, so, so what I was doing is I was asking it, I gave it a framework. I said, this, this is the criteria that I want to, I want to uh, allocate this data to. So it's about 20, 25 categories. Um, so I asked, uh, so I sent the, sent the 25 with the, the, the every time I asked the question of the day, it was because it rose in a, in, a ta- in a Excel spreadsheet. So every time I um, sent off the request, I had to send the same 25 criteria with. But basically, I said, every time you see this, can you match any of this criteria to, to the item I'm sending you? And if you match it, give me a percentage of, of match or confidence. And then if you cannot match it, Give me what you recommend we should be putting in there. And I went and did all that. It was quite amazing. I had, you know, matches with percentages, and I had a couple of new recommendations for new categories. Um, okay, one or two categories were um, very close to other ones, so I, I discarded them. But, you know, relatively speaking, um, if I can get it to work, so, so I had to move from using Zapier to using um, writing some Python because I was just finding that Zapier was a bit uh, constrained to what you could do. But, you know, with the, with the Python running last night, I actually ran out. Of, so you only get the $120 that you can use with um, the API for ChatGDP. Uh, so that at about midnight ran out of, I ran out of capacity. And that basically killed my whole um, classification script. But it was fun. I mean, it was really, uh, I was really impressed with uh, with how far it got. The only problem with that killing that thing is all the work that it did, it dropped it because it didn't save it to the file, which was just my bad mm. coding. But that's, you know, something to, I can, I can address today uh, when, when I get back to do it. Because that's the only problem with these things is you get into these little um, exercises and, and it becomes almost too too consuming. Because you're like almost there, almost there, almost there, and then you then you you're not. That sounds very interesting. Were you using Zapier's new chat 
GPT, inspiration, connection. I don't know what they built, but I've been giving their advertisements for it. Seems like they've been pushing that. Have you tried that at all? So no, I haven't used their one specifically. What I've what I've been using is um, you can connect directly to, well, you you can configure uh, it to the Zapier to connect to your own API with ChatGPT. So that's all I did is I I connected using my author using my own secret key and stuff. So it's using my account. So I've got a billing account and I've set the limits and and all that stuff. Uh, and I use it um, as part of my sort of day-to-day thing. I was actually telling someone else about it today. So I've got a, a just a Notion table that I just have set up with a few fields, and that builds out my question to to the chatbot, and then sends it. And then I wait. I mean, I could, it used to be instantaneous, but the problem I found with Notion is that when you type something, the, the way the Zapier thing works is there's not a, there's not a clean way to say. Um, I'm capturing this information, now you can send it. What it does instead is the minute you create the entry in Notion, it triggers the event. So you have to be a little bit clever and and put in um, like a delay and then tell it to come back and look in five minutes to see what the end of the question is. So so I build the question, you know, know, tell me what's the best way to write an objective as an example. And then in my... In my notion table, I got other fields for um, who's the persona this should be targeted at, what format I want the response back in, and that sort of thing. So it's you know it's very easy for me to to build the question, and then it sends it off to to the API, and then I get a response back five minutes later um, with whatever the answer is, and, and that's quite cool because I can sort of write, I can sit down and you know and write five or six things easily that I want to know about and I'll just let the bot get that get that and reply to me and you know some of the stuff is really good and some of the stuff is a little bit dodgy but you know it's still useful in some respect uh so maybe yeah it's I use API quite a lot and I find that a bit better than logging into the website even though the website's more stable um I find it a bit better than that because um I can I can store the stuff now in Notion and then all my queries that uh, I've I've you know requested from from the API, I've now got them stored, so I can use them in the future. Because that's the other thing. Often I'll ask something, and then I, I don't have it stored, and I want to go get it. And unfortunately, it's been the, the website's unavailable for whatever reason, and now I need to go and wait for that stuff to come back, or I need to go and search it somewhere else on Google to find it again, which is a pain. Yeah. Does it um, also give you access to a newer model, or is it the same um, version that's available publicly? Uh, I, so uh, it's still three. Is it, so the, oh, actually, I'll tell you my code. I think it's a DaVinci model now that I'm using. So I'm using the yeah, I'm using the DaVinci 002 model for most of this stuff. Uh, I don't know if that's the latest model. Um, but it works. I mean, I've been so impressed by by what it's what it's picked up, and you know. So now that I've written the Python, I can be a little bit more sophisticated. So now I can ask it to classify the data for me as it's going through it, and then I can also ask it while it's doing the classification to pull out the keywords and the scoring that's using to do the classification. So you start building out your own little, right, well, sub criteria if you like for the classification, 
Uh, so you don't have to keep using the API because that's the point in, in the end is you don't always want to send the data to the API to get the answer because it slows things down. If you can do some basic, if you start seeing the common patterns for the words, you can speed it up a little bit using just text analytics, um, which also in some senses saves you on the cost of of using the API too. Not that the cost has been that bad, but uh, it's it's good to have you know a mechanism that that is a bit does a bit of storage for you locally as well, just in case also there's a problem with um, connectivity. Mm, yeah. And is it able to learn from you at all? Like, are you helping train the API or that's not, it doesn't? Well, if, 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 if you ask the chatbot if it doesn't store any data, it'll say no. And and I got to believe to an extent that they are not storing any data at all because you know I've asked the same question ten times and got ten different answers, which you would expect if um, it was storing the data, it would it would be learning as it was going. And that example of the of the criteria that I was sending across, it's not storing that. So I've got to send the criteria each time, otherwise mm-hmm. I get some really un- unuseful responses. To be honest. But you know, it's 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 definitely it's definitely working as a tool. It's definitely helping me deliver things, like just giving me some um, some ideas. You know, some um, what you call it? I'll say classification stuff. But it it just closes the gap sometimes because sometimes your biggest problem is that. You know, you just you just can't figure out what you want to actually do. You know what the question is that you want to answer, but you can't actually figure out how to start. So you just push the push what you know through, and almost say, "What would you do here?" And sometimes it comes back with something that's completely useless, and you're like, "Yeah, it wasn't that." But now that you've said that, I, I can go this other route. Or it comes back with exactly what you were thinking, but it's been worded in a nice way. So I, I find it beneficial uh, in various ways. Yeah, it's a bit like having a colleague you can bounce things off of or like doing a bunch of just general research to generate some initial ideas that faster yeah and that's and that's often what it is and you know it's that it's about like i look at this code thing like i you know if I, when you're running code you really want to talk to someone else about it and you get exceptions and errors and, and whatever and you can just post those exceptions straight in there and it'll, and it'll give you what it, what it interprets it as Okay, I got to a point last night, and maybe it was just I got to the point of being tired too, that the answers weren't that helpful. You know, it kept saying, well, you need to import this library. And I was like, yeah, but the library doesn't exist anymore. The API has changed. Give me an alternative API. And it couldn't. It kept going back to the same, with the same sample code, kept saying, this is how you fix it. So it kind of got in its own little loop, um, excuse the pun, uh, on that. But you know, for for having someone to just pose questions and get answers, very much the same way as we used to when you wrote code. It was it's fine. I mean, now some of these issues, I'm gonna have to speak to someone else who's done this before to see if they've got any guidance. Uh, otherwise, I'm gonna spend you know a couple of hours on googling around trying to find examples or, or someone else that solved this. But you know, I, I'm I'm actually hopeful that just by having a you know fresh eyes on it tonight, I'll look at it again and go, actually, no, it's not that difficult. This is what I have to have to put in. Well, sounds like some interesting experimentation at the very least. So, you know, it's, 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 you know, it's amazingly, it is really, it really is fascinating to see how 
useful this stuff is. I mean, obviously, AI is not not a new concept. I mean, it's been around since the 50s. But if you look at how it's 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 not only arrived in a sense, it's cool and snazzy and it works. I mean, you had the 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 the, the Google one that came out. What's it called? Bard, I think, that got the answer wrong and it wiped out, you know, a substantial amount of the Google um, share price. Was that new? Their recent sort of play to fight back against Bing AI. Yeah. So that so they launched their. Their their bard thing. I think it was last week or the week before that. Yeah, their competitor to yeah and GPT and Bing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it it really just yeah it it didn't answer the question right. It was a very simple question, and um, yeah, it's it uh, took off a good substantial amount of of um, the share price because it got the wrong the answer wrong. Uh, and it just shows you, I mean, you know, no one's ever said that chat GDP is correct. It's always been a prompt mechanism where you where you ask and you get an answer, whatever, whatever it can, you know, it's almost string, it's like someone called it um, like a, a fancy autocorrect in some respects. So it'll just work out what the next sentence is. Uh, it's not, it's not, in, it's not a sentient, sentient being that's, that's answering your questions for real. But in the same token, uh, it's mostly right most of the time because it's obviously consumed data or, or um, patterns where the problem has been declared and the solution has been provided and there's enough confirmation that the solution is correct. Yeah, I'm sure whatever Google created was pretty rushed in order to try to capture the news cycle. Um, but yeah, as we sort of talked about last week, it could, you know, really disrupt Google's business model, at least on the search side, if, you know, AI plus search becomes the preferred experience and Microsoft becomes the default for that. I still don't. I think they'll, you know, keep experimenting and probably come out with their own version um, that, that is a bit more accurate as well, um, but just a matter of time and, you know, probably the... The, the rush to get it out, I'm sure, was uh, contributed to would be poor performance there. Well, if you, it, so I mean, it, so I, because I use my Google account for my Chat GDP sign up, I've noticed that when I go and search now, there's a little Chat GDP card, if you like, on the right hand side. And that is, that's telling me each time, every time I search for something, it's giving me a summary of what I've searched for. So it's already it's already part of the search, in some respects. Mm-hmm. Now that's that's not their bard tool. That's obviously the competitor. But if you think about it, what we talked about was last week before. I mean, the biggest thing about search it's not it's not about search. It's about advertising, and you need to keep people in your search in your search page, not not messing around inside a chat interface because you can't really. Oh, you can, but you know you're not trying to bombard somebody with adverts while they're in a chat. Yeah, I don't know how they're going to square that that model still if it could change the nature of you know where ads get placed on a page or something like that um or if you could even pay to have your results come up more frequently i don't know because i think i shared like the um google's had different sort of summary mechanisms for a while things like 
featured snippets through the, you know, sort of FAQ section and there are tactics that websites will use to rank within those spots to get more attention. And it'll be interesting to see if there's sort of a code to crack on doing the same thing for the AI chat experience, you know, if there are certain backend SEO or keyword criteria that is stronger in terms of being pulled into the, the chat GPT style response. Sorry, I didn't understand that. So, you know, the, do you know what featured snippets are in Google search? When you oh, did, search. Yeah, I did hear something about that. I'm trying to think what I heard about that. Yeah, carry on. Yeah, so featured snippets have been around for, for years at this point, but you know when you search something and you're not just getting the list of results, you get sort of a a summary or a different widget that's sort of telling you the answer in a different way. Yeah. Like a featured panel at the top. That's a featured snippet. So what websites have done since sort of the inception of those is try to figure out ways to get ranked with that featured snippet. So essentially with featured snippets, it's not just about ranking number one on a search results because sort of the feature snippet becomes the top spot on the search results. And when you are optimizing your website, you always want to rank as high as you can in order to get someone to click through to your own website, right? So companies or, you know, individuals, whoever is uh, working on these sites will do different, will use different SEO tactics, the so search engine optimization techniques to rank within those featured snippets as well. So I'm sort of suggesting that there will be some experimentation that happens to try to rank within the AI model as well. But I don't know yet. You know, it'll be interesting to see if there's sort of a code to crack there in terms of getting, you know, if I'm searching Bing AI, for example, for, you know, um, build me a five-day travel itinerary to Aruba or something like that. And it would pull up certain, you know, hotel results or something within the itinerary suggested, right? So if I was a hotel, I could try to optimize to get within that search every time. Things like that. Does that make more sense? Yeah, and, and I think that's what we talked about in the sense of context and, you know, really, really helping your research. Uh, or, or, you know, where, where AI should help you scale things. You know, the, the worst part about planning a trip is the planning. Uh, because of all the things you got to, that you don't think of, uh, especially if you don't travel a lot. Um, yeah, I, I mean it's a very interesting space to see what happens, and I think what what's um, a good thing, but also a scary thing, is, and I was looking at some, some old data. I mean, the growth of the AI market was already exponential, and it's gone even more. You know, it was it was a you know hockey stick with now with with almost on its on itself, it's going up so quickly. Because people are now seeing with with what's out there how how possible uh, it all is. Yeah, I think this is sort of the a very accessible, more powerful model, and that's sort of what's game changing about it is that it feels um, the the potential feels so widespread, I guess, in terms of how it could affect multiple sectors or sort of change um, 
the way we interact with the internet even. So it's a fascinating thing to watch unfold for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I wonder now that we're seeing this, I mean, you know, I was looking at some other stuff we're doing and I think we talked about it last year. There's almost an opportunity now for a marketplace of AI services. So you don't necessarily need to have your own AI. You can just go and buy the service you need to complete your problem until you get to a point that, you know, you see there's value in what you're doing and maybe you want to do it slightly differently or you want different results or whatever it is. But you are you are getting almost a, a leg up because someone else has already done the the work. Yeah, it certainly makes sense over everyone trying to build their own that and that that seems to be the model that OpenAI has taken. So yeah, it's interesting to see all of these new integrations or connections being um, put out there, whether it's Zapier or the integration into the Microsoft 365 ecosystem or other are taking advantage of the model in that way. Yeah, well, that's it. I mean, and, and you know, when you look at the, the barrier to entry for some of this stuff, I mean, it used to be so high. And now it's becoming even easier and easier. Well, I say it's, you still got to put some work in, but you know, products you never built previously because of the investment you need, that's almost going away. I mean, you still have to have, you know, time and energy to, to build something. But the technical piece to it is is almost removed now because there's so many services available to you. Yeah, it's an interesting time um, for sure to be able to leverage leverage it in that way. Yeah. Um, any any final final words or thoughts on what you've been playing around with? Well, I mean, I'm seeing AI everywhere. So obviously I use Notion and Notion's got it now where you can create a page and start typing and then you can insert the AI into that. But obviously content generation is still still a big thing. I, I'm actually almost still looking for that that service that, I mean, and Apple tried this a little bit with their Apple News, but it, it didn't really work for me. The, that content aggregator that figures out what's interesting to you and finds more of what you're interested in and, st- and then summarizes that for you. That that I'd be interested to see. And maybe and there is a website that someone told me about today. I think it, it I think it's called there's an AI for that.com. Uh, and I mean I need to go look at it to see if there is anything uh, there that could be useful um, from a uh, what do you call it um, a use case point of view. Because that's really the biggest problem we all have right now is that there is just so much information and you know, I was looking at, you know, you're in Facebook, you're on Twitter, you're, you know, using your email, you've got LinkedIn, all, all these different things. And how do you determine what's real, how what's right? And, and you know, without exhausting yourself, where to look? Mm. So be my final thought on it. Okay. Interesting stuff. Yeah. Well, should we wrap there? Yeah. Yeah, that sounds good. Super. Well, have a good one. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Heather Bicknell is our producer and editor. Thank you, Heather, for your hard work on this episode. Please subscribe to the series and rate us on iTunes or the Google Play Store. Follow us on Twitter at the DWW Podcast. The show notes and transcripts will be available on the website, www.digitalworkspace.works. Please also visit our website, www.digitalworkspace.works, 
and subscribe to our newsletter. And lastly, if you found this episode useful, please share with your friends or colleagues.